Welcome to Soul Traders, a podcast for photographers and freelancers who dream big and work hard. I'm Bo, a photographer and mentor. And I'm Amy, a content writer and marketing coach. Join us as we discuss the ins and outs, the vagaries, the traps and the triumphs of running a solo freelance business. Hey, Amy. Hi, Bo. It's been another crazy week. It has. This episode, we're going to talk about agility, reinvention. But before we jump into this episode, I wanted to say a shout out and just a general sorry for everyone who lost their businesses overnight recently. As we start to clarify that no one's going anywhere and the work has definitely disappeared, the shock and grief of it all sort of started to sink in. Today, I had an Instagram ad pop up um, in my feed and it was offering me an ebook that said, pivot, don't pause, thriving in uncertainty. And I just thought, fuck you, I actually do need to pause. Yes, we all want to pivot. We want to, you know, thrive. We want to do all these things. But we also, um, I just wanted to put a caveat onto this episode and just say, it's okay to pause. We probably need to deeply pause Um, so that we can pivot sustainably in our business. And, of course, I do know that there is an opportunity in here somewhere. There definitely is. But I don't think we should be all running full steam ahead. It's just, you know, it's just been a really hard time for everyone. And the way that we manage this, you know, will define a lot for our kids and for the future sort of time. So I just wanted to put it out there. I don't want to diminish the level of financial stress that people are under right now. And I don't want to make this episode into a let's make lemonade sort of business. And I know people just don't even have any lemons. So yeah, so I just wanted to um, to put that as a beginning point for our, we are going to talk about agility and reinvention, but it's okay to pause. Yeah. yeah Definitely. Absolutely. I think that's a really important yeah. point to make. You know, I'm a massive optimist, unfailingly optimistic. So I'm always looking for a um, silver lining. So, you know, we've been talking about all this madness and kind of what that means for businesses. Basically, it does mean a pause and a bit of reflection. And I think that can definitely be a positive thing. But it also got me thinking about, in general, you know, this is a this is an unprecedented global scale event. But in general, sort of what what makes businesses more resilient? So we're going to do a bit of a different format this episode, where I ask both some questions. I'm going to act as the interviewer and her as the interviewee, because um, <laughs> because Bo, you've been operating for over ten years, so. I, I think, you know, I'd like to know what your secret is. How have you, can you just talk me through how you've grown? You know, you've seen quite a lot of changes in that time. Set the scene for me. Yeah. So although like a lot of other freelancers at the moment, I have lost my business overnight, but at no point have I thought this is the end of my business. Even if I got a job stacking shelves right now, which would I'd be very lucky to, and Centrelink gives me a dribble of income, I'll still be working on all my digital offerings. I'm thinking about opportunities and the ideas are still flowing. So at the back end, my business is still running. So yeah, I have been running my business for over 10 years. And actually I got my ABN 15 years ago. I started my business when I was at uni. So Um, Unlike a lot of other people, I never assisted another photographer. Um, I couldn't afford to work for free and I had no spare time because my business was built on my husband and myself both studying full-time. By the time we finished uni together in 2008, we had three children. 
So I was in my second year of uni when I got my ABN and at that time I was still washing dishes for 12 bucks an hour at a cafe in Brunswick. I was studying photography at RMIT and I remember getting my first paid job which paid $400, which was like the equivalent of $10,000. Like if someone offered me $10,000 for a job right now, that's what it felt like on that day. <laughs> um, it was to shoot the Bombay Sapphire Design Awards night. Anyway, I fucked it up grandly and the lesson that I learned was never ever to drink on the job, um, no matter how large um, or free the novelty bottles of Bombay Sapphire are. Oh, dear. So. Yeah, lessons learned, all my lessons have been learned the hard way and I have started, you know, I did start sort of straight out of the box just making mistakes and, you know, again, as I say, because I never assisted anyone, I couldn't just watch and learn. Oh, is that quite unusual in the photography biz? Yeah, I think I would have, when I talked to other photographers who assisted, most of them did, (laughs) The sort of mistakes I made, they never made because <laughs> they watched some, you know, someone told them. So nobody told me anything, which is why I've learned the hard way, but why I know things so deeply because I've really fucked a lot of things up. So yeah, in terms of like, you know, how it's over that time, obviously there's been times when I've had to really put my foot down on the accelerator where, um, you know, it's in businesses all have a bit of an ebb and flow. Sometimes I do have to go very, very hard. And I know that's not sustainable long-term because who wants to live like that? Um, But those massive bursts sort of happen over, I don't know, periods of say three months. And often I can ride on the success of that three months for a year or years. Sometimes what happens in that three-month intense period, those types of jobs get me all my other jobs for two years. So sometimes you can put your foot down on the accelerator and it's okay to kind of pull it off um, and you can ride the wave for a while, which is really good. What does that look like, Bo, when you're putting your foot down on the accelerator? What kind of systems do you have to support you when you're working really hard like that? So I guess I need to mention here that I've got a partner who puts his work on hold for those types of times. So he's massively sacrificed his own career during those times so that our family doesn't suffer. I know people say that family's the most important thing, but he definitely lives that very deeply. So I need to mention that as a woman, I realise I'm in the minority and that these options aren't available to everyone. Other than that, I don't really have a secret to my success, but I was thinking about this the other day and One of the things that I think my business has also been built on is uh, there's a few people who have really championed my work early, including that first job that I just talked about. That same person, so that was 15 years ago. This year I was looking to publish a book and was writing a grant with a friend and this same person came out to write a letter of support for me and wow. they now, now have a fancy letterhead and have a fancy title um, so it looks really good. But just, you know, there's just people who always come out for me. They're usually also people who are already connected and I now see that lots of the jobs that I've gotten have come from jobs that those people got me. So other people saw that, then they were like, oh, she can do that. And one of the other things is that my brother and his partner are both architects. So when we moved back to WA in 2006, I cut my teeth on architecture and interiors for them. They've got a pitiful back catalogue of photos now that I shot um, before I knew how to do anything. (laughs) But again, they just kept championing me. So I still have people who 
wave that flag for me every time I come up with a reinvention of myself and my business. Um, so listening to this podcast, also going here's another yay. wacky angle to both. So in terms um, of yeah, creating always, advocates for your business or chat, chat people who champion you and go on to, you know, to spread the word and get you new work and new clients, how do you think you've created those relationships and, and nurtured those relationships? I think a lot of my clients I've grown with over time. So I picked up clients that were also starting businesses when I was starting my business. So that's definitely a very symbiotic sort of relationship that happens with artists a lot. Usually my client relationship is based on, from the beginning, a lot of clarity around what images are needed for, what their deadline is. I don't have any automation at this part of the process like other photographers, so it's really personal. I spend heaps of time prior to shoots making sure everyone's clear on what's what everyone's jobs are and it makes the shoots really fun because everybody already has all of those anxieties and things are all sort of out of the way. Prior to the shoot, we're in a space where we're talking about licensing agreements and that's really an opportunity for me to talk about how we're going to support and credit each other after the shoot. We tend to try to get on the same page about then, but what happens with that stuff is that it clarifies prior to the shoot that we are a team now. We're doing this job together. By the time we get to the shoot, we are a team and, you know, we can, we're both invested at that point. So I think that kind of stuff, that pre-shoot stuff is really important for me. Yeah, so by the time the job wraps up, everyone's just stoked because it's all been clarified. So you don't have all these hiccups all along the way. And we've also clarified expectations about what we can achieve. And then after that, we're just lifting each other up to succeed. Shared success. Shared success. Okay. I know being in the business of photography, if you're talking about the last 10 to 15 years, you must have seen some massive shifts in technology, not to mention, you know, the rise of social media and various other medias where, you know, I mean, that's, that's got to have caused a lot of, um, a, a lot of flow on effects uh, for photographers. Can you take me through how oh, totally. you've um, dealt with some of those changes in technology and media as a photographer? So I learned on film and wow. in white and then in slide and on 5.4, those big cameras with the big black cloth over your head. That's how I learned oh, to shoot fabulous. architecture. Um, so, and I, look, I'm, there's people who I've worked with in Melbourne. I was talking to John Gollings and he was talking about, you know, the type of work he was doing. He's been in the business for 40-plus years. I mean, he's also just you know, working Instagram like a demon, you know, now. It's just amazing. He's, you know, he's managed to kind of go with all that technological flux and change. And I think photographers just have to keep moving with with technological changes. But um, usually with technology, I just work things out of necessity. Like right now I'm, you know, we're doing this over Zoom because we have to, because we're in, you know, quarantine from each other and I can't travel to Perth now. And so we just have to work it out. And that's how I, I mean, I'm not going to learn anything I don't need to know. I've been using Photoshop for 20 years now. Wow. So, yeah, it seems a long time, doesn't it? So those sorts of things do change. Um, But one of the things that I think 
you know, with Photoshop, with camera technology and stuff like that, really the core tenets are the same. The observation of light is the same. You know, strong composition, highlight and shadow detail, all that sort of stuff is exactly the same. Um, The fundamentals haven't changed. I think so. You know, there's a lot of, now that the big race for size of megapixels in a camera sort of finished at about that 20 to 30 megapixel mark, you know, it was sort of, they started moving toward, you know, other parts of technology. Lens technology hasn't really changed. You know, beautiful glass is beautiful glass and it creates those images that you look at and you're just like, oh, that is so beautiful. I just want to be in that image. You know, I just want to eat that photo. It's so good. That's because it comes out of good glass and that shit does not change. So um, I'm pretty streamlined with my gear and tech and, you know, I steer clear of too many subscription services and I don't like carrying if it's not core gear, I don't want to carry things that don't have multiple uses in my kit. Would you call um, yourself a, this, a minimalist in terms of I'm a, I, I think I gear? would in that sense because because I don't, because I have to carry everything and it's heavy um, and it's expensive, there's just not much point. Like people say, oh, but what, what camera do you use and what lens do you use? It's like something that isn't going to really be a core part of my of my kit. So, yeah, at the end of the day, technology is great and it changes and I try and keep up with everything, but the core of my business is people and trust with those people. So that's how I navigate technology, always from that same space. And social media, I know that that must have been, I mean, did you, with the rise of everybody with their phone cameras and everybody creating content um, and simultaneously this hunger for content for social media. What happened in your business and your approach um, at that time? I actually just thought I'd be out of a job. I was like, look, (laughs) phone cameras are getting amazing. Apps are amazing. You can get Lightroom on your phone. It's just like there is no point in me anymore. I'm just going to have to go and... (laughs) find something else to do. And is that what happened? It's sort of strange. There was, it. well, that's not what happened. That's what I thought was happening. And there was a brief period in there where everyone, you know, as the cost of cameras and then the rise of smartphone cameras being absolutely incredible. But actually what I found was that exponentially growing was the hunger for content for social media. So people just, and the, like when, I don't know, remember when Instagram started and you'd like take a photo of something and then you'd put a filter on it and it was always a square. Like a Polaroid filter. (laughs) Totally. I love that Polaroid. After a while, you know, that did not last very long that time and all of a sudden it went production values very, very high. And so people started, especially in businesses, they were like, I mean, obviously for a personal account, it doesn't matter, but for businesses, it was like, now you're starting to have to cut through all of these other photos. So how are we going to do that? How do we maximise the amount of real estate and pixels that we've got on everyone's phones and the attention economy and all this other stuff started happening and people started calling and I was like, holy shit, there's a lot of, I've got more work than I can handle because now people's hunger for images is really high. Plus they need images with high production values, which I'm, all over so it did change the game then just not in the way that you expected yeah yeah that's right I mean I keep thinking things always are happening to me where I'm like oh that's it I have to do something else but then (laughs) just is that what you're thinking now Bo (laughs) 
well, yeah, I mean, you know, I was thinking, what's my plan B, plan B? I was like, I don't have one. Should have probably thought about that before. But, you know, I mean, who has a plan B, really? Yeah. I know um, you and your family moved to the south coast of WA. That must have been a big change for your business, a bit of a tree change. Can you talk me through? That was another scenario where I was like, oh, my business is over. (laughs) It's a recurring theme. Um, yeah, we've been in Denmark for nearly seven years now and yeah, I thought I'd close my business and I started studying graphic design and colour theory in an online course and as I started studying it, I was correcting all of these mistakes and, you know, contacting the people and then they asked me to help deliver the course. Oh, no. And I was like, I've got it. Why am I even studying this shit? I could be teaching it. Anyway, so... One of the most unexpected outcomes of moving down to Denmark, I thought that I was going to, I actually didn't tell people I was moving down here. I just left. I thought that people would just assume that I'd fallen off the edge of the earth and I was never going to see anyone ever again and, you know, it was all game over. But one of the things that happened was that people kept calling. I kept, you know, people still wanted me to come up for jobs and The best thing about it was that every job I had to weigh up against the travel and being away from my family. So the stakes got much higher for me and that changed the way that I took jobs and it also changed the the amount that I was available to take jobs. So all the jobs that paid too little or were with people I didn't really like or were projects that I wasn't really interested in, they all just fell away straight away. But what stayed were the jobs that were worth me travelling that were with good people and were really interesting. So so positive that was sort change of, then. It was it was really positive and I, I kind of now, I kind of can't believe the level of, I mean, the level of risk that I was willing to take was that I was willing to close my business to move to Denmark and, I, and say it's game over. But, yeah, that the, the fact that people were saying, well, if you can't come up that way, we'll wait until the next week so that realization of people saying that they will be flexible on my behalf or they'll meet me in the middle somehow um, that was actually awesome so again it was a limitation that meant that I had to pinpoint my values which you know I think is pretty poignant now Um, we keep coming back to to values don't we yeah yeah and I think that's is that the soul and soul traders it must be (laughs) Value traders? Yeah. I'd love to know if you had one piece of advice for a somebody starting out in the photography business, what would that piece of advice be? Oh, there's so many bits and bobs, but I'd probably say um, look for your champions. There might be people that you already know. And if you don't have champions yet, you know, like look around for people you would like to champion you. So they're in identifying your champion. (laughs) Um, they're usually older than you. They're in a parallel industry, not necessarily the same. So they're not going to be, if they're a photographer, it's probably not going to be another photographer. So a parallel industry that you're interested in, usually they're ambitious people. They're ambitious for themselves and they're ambitious therefore for you to be, you know, to further your career. So I would say to look for those people, like actively put on the put on your little rose-coloured champion glasses and look around at the people that you already know and, and they're in there somewhere and you have to let people know. Like I'm a big fan of voicing my ambitions. 
So if I want to do something or I want to do more of something, I'll say it to people, to those champions, to my community, because once you've voiced it, people are always looking to help you out with that. Like if someone says to me, hey, I'm hoping to do more of something or other, all I'm, you know, I, I just put a little pin in that. I'm like, okay, whenever I hear a little something or a snippet in some other conversation, I'm going to direct that straight back to that person because I want to connect this scenario. So That's powerful stuff, isn't it? And I think a lot of people overlook that, yeah. you know, that, that putting their word out, hey, I'm interested in this. Well, the other thing is that what I found is that when I have worked with people, they often also move organisations. So as the years have gone on, they either, you know, their business might grow, so they become bigger and bigger and need more and more of your services or need your services more regularly, which is great. But the other thing that people do is move from organisation to organisation and I'm always stoked when people, I get an email from someone saying, hey, I'm now at blah, blah organisation and we need this done. Can you quote for this job? And so they bring me with them and that's actually, that's also championing me in that they're, you know, they want to, and then once they've brought me into that new organisation, you know, I can embed myself into that organisation and I'll always be their photographer, which is great. I mean, that's, and that's regular work for me. So that sort of, those tiny little conversations and mentioning that you're interested in something, it, it really can land very well. Yeah. So what you're talking about is investing in relationships, really? Yeah, definitely. Like I have, so I shoot every year, the year 12 perspectives, which is students, ATAR, fine arts students work. I might see them a couple of years later at the Curtin grad show when I, sh- I give a talk to the Curtin grad, the fine arts students um, about documenting their artworks. Then I might shoot their artworks. Six months from then, they might that same person might be calling me because they're having their first group show at an art, ARI, an artist-run initiative. Two years from then, I'm shooting their solo show Five years from then, I'm shooting their work prior to it, you know, going straight over to the East Coast to galleries and shows. And, you know, those sort of relationships go on for a long time. So in that sense, I am, I do, my career and other people's career just move, That you know, they chug along together. And, and that sort of thing, you know, we end up with a bit of a shorthand once I've been working with artists or arts organisations for, you know, however long. And, yeah, it's a really comfortable, really nice place to be in with people. So, yeah. It's pretty special. Yeah, okay. special. So we're going to do something different for our segments this week. Uh, we've compiled a bit of a list of resources for freelancers and solo business owners during these these uncertain times. Do you want to share some of your resources for freelancers, though? So I'd say that everyone, including us right now at this minute, is learning Zoom. If they didn't know how to use Zoom before, they <laughs> bloody well do now. So we'll put a, um, a link in the show notes to all of the Zoom videos that are actually useful to learn how to use it properly. On Facebook, there's a great group called Artists Amidst COVID-19, which is a has been fantastic for information. It's got very clear guidelines. It's not people just kind of dribbling on about how shit everything is. 
they're like very targeted, very informative posts that people are putting up there. So that's been really good. Oh, and you had another Facebook group that you were looking at as well. I've got a couple. Um, Jared Seng, the photographer who's Perth-based but works all over the world, has started a group, which we'll link in the show notes. It's for freelancers. Uh, he's doing daily challenges and daily Zoom calls while he's in, in quarantine. And I found another really good one. Fiona Kilaki, my daily business coach, has set up a group. I think originally it was just for her sort of clients, but it's grown to almost 500 people. And that is, I'm finding, really inspiring uh, to dive into those conversations and everyone's really supporting each other over there. Uh, what about oh, cool. sort That's of great. wellness, you know, keep, keeping yourself fit or yeah. limber? Yeah, well, that's the thing, isn't it? We're just, <laughs> I'm very limber, as you know, Amy. Um, so this morning I did my first Zoom fitness class with um, this woman oh. that I usually train with up in Perth. Um, it's called Body School. We'll put a link to that. That was really fun. And I'm also doing classic flow um, yoga, which is an ABC podcast, which is awesome. For mental health, I do lots of meditation stuff with Tara Bruck. So we'll put a um, link to her and recently just listened to uh, our wonderful guru, Brene Brown. Oh, my She's God. This podcast called Unlocking Us. And it was great because her first episode is like, so this is our first global pandemic. Okay. <laughs> And, you know, let's work it out together. So that was really great just to sort of go, you know what, we're all in this shit. Let's just be nice to each other for God's sake. Anyway. Yeah, that was um, mind-blowing, just really good yeah. stuff. So highly yeah, recommend that one. Uh, um, quick one for people with, um, who are schooling their kids at home, Eddie Wu's WooTube for maths, um, so fun, and Khan Academy, K-H-A-N. That's an American free online learning resource. So you've got to take it with a grain of salt because it's American, but it's really good. And also audiobooks on BorrowBox if you've got a library card um, just to, you know, while away a few hours on an audiobook with your kids. Um, got anything for people with kids at home? Yes, I've got, ones, I've got younger kids. Yeah, yeah, so a toddler and who's very high energy. So... There's a great YouTube channel called Cosmic Kids Yoga. It's fantastic. I've been doing the classes with my two-year-old. It's hilarious. You go on these yoga adventures and legitimately I'm finding that that's good yoga for me. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's very good value. I also am going to link to an article that I keep coming back to. It's called Hello, I'll Be Your Toddler Tour Guide for This Trip Out the Front Door and it is hilarious. <laughs> Uh, and, um, there's a great New York times parenting Instagram account with a hashtag called tiny victories. And it's all about parents suddenly working from home and also looking after <laughs> kids. And it is hilarious. Okay. That sounds like good wins. fodder. Yeah. Absolutely. For also just for laughs and stuff, there has not been it, the Batuta advocate on Instagram has just had so much material from the coronavirus stuff and just making so much fun of politicians and people and I love it. So, yeah, it's a hard time for everyone and we're all dealing with a lot and it's not forever. It's okay to feel shit about it for a while. Um, we should so also say yeah, if, if, you feel, ag- if you feel really shit, um, there is help, help available. Uh, so Lifeline and Beyond Beyond Blue are good ones, aren't they, Bo? 
yeah we'll link those as well yeah so hang in there everyone (laughs) yeah hang in there everyone and um we'll talk to you soon and let us know contact us on instagram um let us know what you want to talk about next and um whether you found this useful and hopefully talk to you soon i'll see you later amy okay bye bo thanks for listening Please rate or write us a review on iTunes. It'll make such a big difference to us. And help us spread the word. Share this episode with friends who are sole traders and freelancers. And you can find us on the gram by searching the hashtag Soul Traders Podcast, and that's S-O-U-L. If you have a question or an issue you'd like us to discuss, you can email us at soultraderspodcast at gmail.com. This episode was recorded on the traditional lands of the Noongar people. 